Welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast from Wales Online. Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast from Wales Online. My name is Matt Southgoom and today we've got plenty to get through. Uh, there's been a Wales squad announcement this week for the summer tour, playing against Samoa and Tonga first up. Uh, there's a lot of regional rugby news to get through too with the Dragons takeover and a proposed takeover of the Cardiff Blues as well. And on the playing side of things, we've got two teams in the playoffs for the very first time, so we're going to touch on that as well. Um, and also the Rugby World Cup draw for the 2019 Global Gathering was made in Japan today, so we're going to discuss that. And I'm delighted to say to join me to talk to you about all this is Simon Thomas. I might get a word in edgewise because there's an empty chair next to me with a hole written on it, and he's not here. Know, little man's absent, so it's just me and you. He's missing. I feel as though that I might take up the mantle a little bit and. Uh, <laughs> And start bringing in some of my own issues, because I've got a little bit to get off my chest with the Wales squad announcement uh, that's taking place this week. Uh, mainly confused more than anything, but we'll, we'll get into that now, really. Um, well, I'll put some issues to you, Si, and you can fire back at me if you want. But the, the few things that I've got, a, I've got issue with in this squad is that you look at the... We'll, we'll go through it in, in order. You look at the back three... Um, we've got some good players in there, no doubt. Uh, Reen Williams, very exciting prospect. He's probably the only out-and-out fullback uh, there. And then you look at the Guinness Pro 12, and over the last two or three years, one of the best performers has been Dan Evans, consistently. Um, yet you only take one out-and-out fullback on the tour. That's my first issue. I don't think that you need five centres in the team. Um, given that there's only two matches on tour and then put on top of that the inclusion of Corey Allen is one that just confuses me beyond belief given that the last time he played a 15-side game was in January for the Cardiff Blues um, and then for Wales to turn around and say injuries have ruled out others because they haven't played enough games this year just confuses me no end um, if you're going to take three loose heads, you only take two tight heads. That's a little bit confusing to me. And then in the back row, there's no number, no out and out number eight um, that you can sort of point your put your finger on there. And then there's a couple of guys who haven't made the squad that we'll come on to in a little while that have confused me again. But what what do you make? There's a lot there, Matthew. There's a, like there's I a said, there. I had a lot to get off my chest. Let's go back three first of all. I mean, it is an interesting one that because the only guy who would really be Considered as an out-and-out fullback, there is Reen Williams. Now, I've on here. I've bored people before telling you how much I think of this kid. Um, you know, we've seen him at two under-20s campaigns, and the first time you saw him, it's just class there. You know, the, his ability to enter the line, and he's just strong runner, beautiful passer of the ball on the move. You know, he's got he's got a lot, and you can play fullback, you can play wing, and you know, it might be that they're looking at him as the starting fifteen for this tour. I mean, there are other options. Um, Steph Evans, when he came into the Scarlet side, played quite a lot of his rugby at full-back initially, I think when Liam Williams was injured. And obviously Gareth Anscombe has played the majority of his games for Wales at full-back, so that's another option. But on Dan Evans, like, yes, on form, he deserves to be there, but are you really surprised? I'm not surprised. What, he, the boy himself, what did he say? I, they just don't like me. They just don't <laughs> like me. But how, I just cannot, let's, let's just say it how it is then. He is, his face does not fit, and that is no, the it doesn't. only reason it doesn't. he cannot be involved I in mean, the squad. I was in America in 2009 when he won his two caps. That's how long ago it is, 2009. I mean, and obviously, you know... <laughs> He perhaps you know did slip away a little bit when he you know after that, but in the last three years since he's joined the Ospreys, he's been Welsh rugby's Mister Consistent. You look at all the stats for meters gained, 
they obviously see something or, or don't see something, you know, yeah. whether it's maybe a lack of genuine pace, is it defence? I don't know. Maybe, maybe, let's be brutally honest, is it because you've got a player there whose first instinct is to counterattack? Is that, and is that perhaps not the style well, of play they want That's the, the thing, right? If, you, if I had to pick one fullback in the league who, if he doesn't make a line break from this counterattack, then I lose my job. I yeah. pick Dan Evans yeah. every time because but when he hits the line, he gets through. I suppose the point is if he's been doing it for three years and they haven't picked him, then I don't suppose we should be surprised they haven't picked him now. Yeah, fair enough. All right, but the, one, got the, 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 the one fullback one that does interest me, um, I know he doesn't play for his club, but I mean, he's Reese Patchell. Because you think back to the yeah. New Zealand tour, he came on that trip and ended up in a very good game in, at fullback in his first outing there. And he's back fit again, and I think you know he's been playing well. And you know, I've even spoken to him. I know how much he's enjoyed playing, working with Stephen Jones. There, and it feels you know his game has come on well. And you'd have thought really that he would have been someone as an obvious person to cover that position. But do they maybe think that he hasn't had enough rugby and just wants to have a summer getting full match fitness? Yeah. They have. They they seem to be looking at that a little bit. But I think he's unfortunate. Dan Evans is very unfortunate, but yeah. I'm, I'm not surprised. Well, let's move into the centres then. We, Too many. There is. The, you don't need five centres. No, I don't get it. Story. I don't get it. I mean, Corey's probably surprised himself, to be honest. I, I like Corey Allen. He's a lovely bloke, and he, you know, he's. I think he probably will benefit from moving to the Ospreys next season. You know, something fresh, fresh challenge for him. And, and we have seen, you know. He's got three tries of the World Cup in that game, and when he first came on the scene, he looked a real prospect. It's kind of it's kind of tailed away from him with the Blues, mm. you know. And with Haller Hollow and Lilo there, he's very much gone down the pecking order, and obviously he's moved on now. He's been away with the sevens. Isn't he, he has been away with the sevens. It, it doesn't really make much sense in terms of that you know he, he's not banging down the door for a position. It doesn't seem like you really need him there. Perhaps it's just they want someone experienced there who's been on trip before. But it's an odd one. But you know, I suppose if it's an extra place, what 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 really sort of. Um, I look at the squad, and the other the other position that, that really is interesting for me is is number eight. Yeah, you know, I know it's difficult because Faletau and Moriarty are both where the Lions, and they're very much the two number eight options. But in a way, that makes you think. Well, maybe we need to be bringing somebody through. Well, the one you might have thought might have got a sniffer with Harrison Keddy, but then he's not played a huge amount for the Dragons well, this what, season. What about Dan, Dan Baker then? He, he's been That's the well. interesting one because. Again, you wonder, is it a case that they just don't see him as, as future plans? Because he's been in the squad a few times, mm. has had a couple of involvements, but not much. And I don't know, because I mean, when I've seen him play for the Ospreys this season, he's made a difference when he's come off the bench and a difference when he started. He's got that ability to break a line and also to give an offload of the tackle, which to me is the modern game for a number eight, you yeah. know? But it does seem, if you look at that, I mean, I, if you look, they'll probably go with James Kim. Number eight. Now, James Kim's a very solid individual, won't ever let you down. Is he really going to be a test number eight? I don't know. The other option is Ollie Griffiths. Now, this is an interesting one, isn't it? Because um, Ollie is, um, came on the scene, you know, Wales in the 20s, captain very much as a seven. But um, in the last few weeks, he's played six uh, on one occasion at Judgment Day, got man of the match. And then there's a couple of outings in number eight. And we hear that the, the Wales management were quite keen for him to play at eight. Ollie's a very, very talented rugby player. You know, he's good over the ball. He's a dynamic carrier. I stood next to him the other week, uh, before, uh, Caffilly actually before the game last week interview him I'm taller than him yeah. I, you know I'm not, I'm not Luke Sharper yet <laughs> you know so he's not the usual shape for a test number 8 yeah. but I tell you what he's dynamic and yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he came through of course if we're looking at the back row I think you're going to get on to it there's a certain name missing isn't there there's no cubby boy mm. what do we think about that well, again, you know, you throw him in the same in the same bracket as Dan Evans, don't you? He was topping all the all the stats in the Pro 12. Couldn't have really done a lot more 
um, to get the call up, but it appears once again it's just a case of his face doesn't fit. I think they mentioned injuries, didn't they? But then there's other people on the tour who probably missed as much rugby. I mean, if you look at the stats for this season, he's won more turnovers than any other player in the Pro 12. I um, I had him in my Pro 12 team of the season. I was on the judging panel for that, and, and he actually is, is in the team. You know, Martin Williams, I think I saw him tweet uh, this week, you know, but Wales is the most consistent regional player for two or three years and he's missed out. So it's an odd one. Again, the face doesn't seem to fit. I mean, yes, there's huge competition uh, in the back row, for open side in particular. Even though Tipperick and Warburton um, are away with the Lions, you've still got Ollie Griffiths, Ellis Jenkins, um, Thomas Young, who will make the score. I suppose the surprise a bit, to be honest, because we talk about faces not fitting, is that, you know, James Davis really has missed out with Josh Navidi getting in there. Mm. Now, now, Josh, you thought, perhaps was going to be in the same category as Dan Evans, what we talked about. Fantastic club player, but someone who the management didn't see perhaps as being, you know, the kind of player they wanted in the squad. I was in Japan in 2013 where he made his one appearance, hasn't featured since then. You thought he was going to be in the same category, and yet he's been called in. It's a bit of, it's a slight odd one, isn't it? You know, Um, Yeah, it would have been an interesting selection meeting to be in, because, I mean, I... It does baffle me some of it, to be honest with you. I mean, the other ones to miss out, I think they mentioned inju- injuries with Beck. Actually, um, Beck, yes, yes. Things like that. Uh, Charteris. I can understand Charteris not going because I think he's 34 now. You're not going to learn a huge amount about Luke Charteris. And if there is a need, particularly in one area to develop, we talked about number eight, but even more important than that for me is second row. You look at it now. Well, there ain't a lot of caps in there, is there? There isn't. And I think you can see why that's been done because we, we've got to get somebody coming through I mean the fact that Adam Beard is going on this tour I thought he was out for the, until next season yeah. with his injury I mean I'm not quite sure whether he, how ready he's going to be but I mean I was talking to um, Roger Bly the, 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 the Ospreys chairman about him after Judgment Day and he was full of praise for this young man sees him as having a very bright future and I think that's a feeling that Wales have as well he did well for the under 20s he's got the kind of um, the size and he's got the edge and he could be he could be the one because we do really need a young second row to come in and sort of demand to be included in the setup. Talk to, talk to me a little bit about uh, Seb Davis as well. I know he's a guy that, that yeah, you know, he's a promising prospect. I'm surprised to see him in. I mean, I did a list of 22 uncapped players and I thought I'd covered every one of them, but I hadn't got Seb in. I mean, he played. He came off the bench for the Blues, uh, people might have seen against uh, the Dragons at Caffili on the weekend. Has had a handful of games this season, a couple of injuries as well. He's, he's, he's one of those classic guys who can play six eight or second row really he's very athletic very dynamic around the field he's got the height on him as well and he's a good worker good engine good support runner modern kind of forward um once he beefs out and adds weight uh, i think he'll be you know a real asset and danny wilson speaking to him about him he sees that he'll benefit from the you know the two experienced second rows coming in next year van der Merwe and damien welch at the blues and certainly sees him as a big part of the plans, but I must admit, I'm a little bit surprised to see him. But to be honest with you, if you look at it, he's falling into that category, along perhaps with Wynne Jones, someone who's been given a first, Adam Beard to a certain extent, somebody who's been given a first taste of international rugby for the experience as much as yeah, any. Yeah. You wouldn't, you wouldn't, let's be honest, expect to see Seb. And maybe Ryan Elias is in the same category as well. Probably experience, probably won't feature, but you know will benefit from going out there. I just look at the, the scrum halves as well now. The one... 
uh, do you think Lloyd Williams is unlucky to miss out? Yeah, on this I think he is. I think he is. I mean, um, I do feel that the emergence of Thomas Williams of the Blues has, 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 has aided both Williams boys. Mm. They've been driving this, each other on this season, and there's been a big debate among Blues fans who should it be. And, and if Thomas gets picked, or should it be Lloyd? When Lloyd gets picked, he then responds, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I think on form, those two are, are, are two of the best scrum halves left in, available with Reese Webber with the Lions. Alec Davis obviously was in the Six Nations squad, one of the seven uncapped players, but wasn't involved and perhaps I slipped away a little bit. Andy, our good friend, will always bang on about Jonathan Evans, who he's a big admirer of. Yeah, yeah. So um, I think I, I think Lloyd think, is a bit unlucky. Yeah, I just think if Lloyd if Lloyd Williams was in in that sort of squadron of scrum halves, then the competition would be pretty fierce between himself and Gareth Davis, who have. Been vying it out for the number two spot at Wales yeah. for the last few seasons, but now they've been really pushing yeah. each other for the number one spot. And I su- obviously Thomas yeah. Williams as well. I suppose what their view would be is that they know a lot about Lloyd. He's been in the squad for a long time. He's got a few caps, mainly off the bench. These two kids, Ali Davis and Thomas Williams, are uncapped. They're going to give one of these test time this summer. So perhaps they feel that they want to bring somebody through. You can see, that one doesn't jar with me as much as others. Well, I think on form, Lloyd does deserve to be there. Okay, well, can you try? We've discussed the the ins and outs of the selections here, but the one thing I've struggled with is to figure out what they're trying to achieve with this squad. Because, like you said, they've left out people like Chartres and Lloyd Williams because they already know what they can do. But then you look at the inclusions of some others, like Scott Baldwin, for example. Well, you would argue they already know what he can do as well. Yeah, I just. I, you know, it, it feels like a halfway house. It's not a totally inexperienced side, but at the same time, they've left a lot of old heads at home as well. So. Not the first time we've had a halfway house in Welsh rugby, is it? <laughs> it is interesting. I, mean, I suppose the other thing to take in the equation here is where they're going to be. We yeah. now know that they're, we all, we've known for a while they're going to be playing Tonga in New Zealand. It's now been confirmed finally there's going to be Eden Park in Auckland. They're going to be based in Auckland. And by the way, there's another rugby team based in New Zealand this summer, and that's the Lions. So, realistically... You can see why there would be a keenness, certainly a keenness and experienced players to be on this trip, because if there's an injury to the Lions and there's bound to be injuries, well, Wales are right there. Mm. Their next cab off the rank in the squad within a day. Yeah. You know, so someone like Jamie Roberts, you know, Scott Williams, Alex, Alex Cuthbert as well. Yeah, it was a Lion, you know, before. Yeah. You can go through the list. There's quite a few of them. You know, Samson Lee as well, Scott Baldwin. You know, experienced players. Um, even someone like Thomas Young. Wild card, you know, real wild card, the way he's playing at the moment. So um, for those players, uh, you can understand why there's a real appeal for being on this trip. In in particular, playing for Wales is a huge honour, but there's also what you might get as a result of it. But it is a little bit odd because, as you say, there's not a consistent pattern to the selection. Some experience left out, some experience included. It, well, not the first Welsh one has baffled us, though, is it? Yeah, we'll just have to see how this one goes, I think. It's um, not going to be easy, mind the way. Oh, no, no. No, there can be some real hard hits coming from those South Sea sides. And, you know, although it's not in Tonga, there'll be a big sort of um, you know island population in the Auckland area will be supporting, uh, be supporting the, the Tongans against Wales. And obviously in Samoa, it's going to be very, very testing. So, yeah. For young kids thrown into that environment, it's a load of test rugby. Yeah, indeed. Uh, just a final word on this thing goes to Jamie Roberts. Uh, he's going to captain Wales. Yeah. Huge honour for him. Says he's going to put the Lions' disappointment behind him now. For, for me, there were only three real choices looking at this squad. It was probably him, Scott Williams, and Ellis Jenkins would have been my third shout. I think he's a future Welsh captain. Uh, but what do you think of 
Jamie Roberts' selection as captain. Jamie's attitude and the way he handled... I wasn't at the press conference this week, but I, I've talked to a few people around, and he said the way he handled himself and the dignified way he's dealt with it, you know, hasn't complained at all. You know, if anybody was entitled to complain, it was him. You know, I mean, your hopes raised by a story that proved to be inaccurate, that he was in the squad, yeah. you know, and then, you know, people still probably sending him text messages saying, well done, and half an hour later, if he's not there. So it must have been a tough one, a brutal, brutal one. And for a man who's given so much to Wales International Rugby and to the Lions of the years, who would be hard so uh, you know if there is a centre injury on the tour of the Lions you know I know who I'd be calling up as an mm. experienced figure Alright then moving on uh, there's been some big uh, big moves in regional rugby this week we've got to start with the Dragons uh, you were down at Rodney Parade last night um, they, got, they got 81% majority they needed 75 um, for the WIU takeover to go ahead um, what happens now? Well what happens now is I think the plan is that um, although it's got the vote last night. The takeover still has to happen. Mm. But last night was very much of a green light. And uh, you could sense, you know, talking to Stuart Davis, there was almost a little crackle in his voice as we were talking to him afterwards. It was, you know, it's been a demanding time. It's been a challenging time. There's been a lot of emotions over this thing, a lot of anger from certain parties. And it's been um, a very, very tough time for everyone involved. And, you know, there's the the feelings of the Newport fans to consider. There's the the feelings of the Dragons staff who have their livelihoods to consider. It's not been easy, right? I've kind of come to the conclusion that it wasn't a perfect deal by any means, but it was probably the only option. Newport was kind of between a rock and a hard place. And I think eventually, perhaps with a heavy heart, some of the Newport shareholders came to that conclusion. It was the only way forward. And we have the yes vote. So it's done now, and we now move forward. What it means is that the union will run the professional team, the Dragons. They will own Rodney Parade, which will be the home for them and continue to be where the Newport team play. And now they have to they have to make it work now, don't they? They have to make it work yeah. by getting bums on seats and by getting people behind the team. So it's ju- July the 1st is the date. That's the kind of time frame they've set themselves for it all to be um, in place. And as Martin Phillips said last night at the meeting, this is the, the end of the beginning and the hard work begins now because the new season comes around very quickly. And for one thing, there's the pitch to resolve. Yeah. He, he revealed to us last night that um, there is a plan now for a hybrid Desso-style pitch, which is similar to that, I believe, at the Principality Stadium. And clearly there are issues because they've got three teams to support there. They couldn't go down the artificial route because the Newport County performed the Great Escape and Great stayed escape, up and lived in yeah. League Two. So they And they can't play on an artificial so they have to find an option and there's going to be a significant outlay because those chip, those pitches they don't they're come cheap, cheap no. but they decided they're going to do that and it's going to be um, there's going to be also I think development work perhaps on the north end of the ground the union have put a lot of money into this that they hadn't planned to 3.25 you know 3.75 million is the outlay all of the summer's coming back in forms of loans um, owed so there's a lot of money gone out so they're going to need to recoup it yeah there's a the, the serious business begins now yeah so the there were a, th- a thousand potential votes last night uh, yeah. among the shareholders. It, the final figure was 429. Mm. Can you just explain why the why the disparity, why there wasn't a, a full vote from? Well, a, I mean, the, the shares were given, I think, but 20 years ago. You know, so um, obviously, to be honest, I mean, the, the the audience last night, I watched them come in, and you know, the average age was, was certainly older than me, probably. It was, Late fifties, sixties, you know. So mm. I don't know. Some some of the shareholders may have passed away. God bless them, you know. And um, obviously, only a certain number turned up. I think there was about one hundred and fifty proxy votes, uh, um, which were uh, done in advance, and about three hundred and 
300 odd people at the meeting. Yeah. Um, so those are the people who turned up to cast yeah. their democratic vote. And uh, it was tight. Mm. I'll give you a little story on this. There was a couple of the, uh, the Newport uh, Dragons, Gwent Dragons, uh, players in the adjoining room. And as the, as the vote trickled through, there was a big cheer from them next door. And uh, <laughs> there was a few hugs and uh, kisses from various members of the staff. So I was thinking, yeah, it's their livelihood. Their livelihood, day, yeah. Um, but that was the reason. That, that was the number of people who turned up. That was the quorum. And uh, as I say, it just about got over the line, didn't mm. it? There were a few thoughts um, before, long right at the start of this process when things were being banded about that the Dragons may become some sort of development region in Wales. So some of Martin Phillips's quotes that they, they would try, they were now going to try and entice back some exiles, some young exiles who perhaps left Wales to, to take up opportunities elsewhere. Do you get the impression, and, and obviously there were some quotes from him as well saying they can immediately throw resource at this and expertise in terms of coaching. Yeah. So do you get the feeling there's going to be a, a quite a youthful feel to the squad? Yeah, let's get straight. They're not going to pour millions of pounds into it on the playing side. Um, I think it's uh, you know pretty much a you know, worst-kept secret that the Dragons have not been spending to the level at which they're expected to under the, the, the Rugby Services Agreement of the Union. The minimum spend is £3.5 million. Depending on who you talk to, I think their budget has been around about 2.8, 3.2 around that area and you know they're financially constrained they couldn't do you know the business was losing money so they, they were cutting their cloth and I think what you would imagine now given that it's a WIU agreement that you spend 3.5 million you'd expect a WIU run team would spend that much wouldn't you mm. I mean that's a little bit more than the strength and you can look at that squad now you can look at the front five that in particular is an area that needs to strengthen to stiffen their set piece in terms of development, we've well, got the 35-year-old Gavin Henson going on board. So I don't know if that quite fits in the development region. But I think um, I've spoken to Martin Phillips, but you know, the, whole, the whole kind of, not just the Dragons, but what he sees, I think there is an absolute focus on developing um, Welsh talent, holding on to Welsh talent, and bringing back Welsh talent. Maybe then in sprinkling that with a couple of quality overseas players. And I, the, I think the key to it is if you're going to have overseas players moving forward, and the emphasis is on homegrown talent, which means probably less, you know, less money being spent on overseas players. They've got to be quality, haven't they? They've got to be the likes of Percy Montgomery, Xavier Rush, Marty Holler, you know, um, Regan King, people who bring the youngsters on, and that's the template we need to move forward with. Mm. Okay, then uh, there's uh, also soundings of another takeover in Welsh rugby. Uh, this time it's the Cardiff Blues who are pr- proposed proposed to be taken over by. The Welsh Rugby Union. Um, just briefly explain what the differences and the similar similarities are in terms of the, the Dragons takeover and the, the proposed Cardiff Blues takeover. It was me thinking I was going to have a quiet morning ahead of the uh, the Dragons meeting, and then uh, I ended up on the phone to Mr. Peter Thomas, and mm. um, that made my day rather more eventful than I thought it was going to be. Um, look, the bottom line on this is I became aware of this story um, because there was a. Shareholders, AGM share, shareholders meeting of the, of the Cardiff Blues, and um, I think one way or another, the, the, the issue was raised, and Peter Thomas um, gave details there about this proposed handing over of what he calls the franchise, which is an interesting name that's come up now. I know the mm. word franchise, well, it means like American football to mild, doesn't it? But the background to this essentially is that you know Peter Thomas and other Blues benefactors have, have, have poured millions in pounds into the region over the uh, past decade and more. And I think they, they've just come to the point of view where they, they, they feel they can't do it anymore, especially when you consider now, you know, that, that, that to remain financially competitive with with 
playing budget spiralling in England and France is so difficult. You know, when the Blues won the Amlin Cup in 2010, you know, you were talking about a budget of 3.5. Realistically, if you want to compete for silverware now, even on the domestic Pro 12 front, you've got to be looking at 6 million. You know, so, and that where's that going to come from? You know, and I think the feeling is that if they're going to do that, then the source of revenue really it's not going to be private benefactors, it's going to have to be union controlled. And there's also in hand, you know, alongside that is that, as we've reported before, there is this plan to try and redevelop the Arms Park and create, you know, a 15,000 seater, you know, multi-purpose covered arena. And the kind of the, the take is that the Cardiff Blues Board want to focus fully on that and they don't feel Peter Thomas's view is that they can't be doing that and then running the rugby operation as well. So they need help and support to do that. Long and the short of it, his desire is to use his phrase, hand back the franchise to the Welsh Rugby Union from July the 1st for them to take over and effectively run the rugby operation. Now, um, the, the union have sort of, uh, in their official responses, made it clear that, in, in their view, that it, this, is, this is at a very embryonic stage. Mike Phillips actually said to me, it's, it's pre embryonic, whatever that, <laughs> whatever that means. Um, and you know, I think there's probably work to be done. So I think they're obviously further back in the queue in, in, in it happening than the Blues, but the I dragons. than the Dragons. Sorry, but I, <coughs> but I do get the sense that there is there is a, a, an intention on both parts for this to happen at some point. You know, certainly in the, you know the Blues point of view, um, it's interesting. The Peter Thomas on a couple of occasions has used the phrase babysitting in given the sense that it would be just a temporary arrangement while the arms park redevelopment goes ahead for two or three years. Uh, but he did, you know, I spoke to him, you know, add in the caveat that it could now be a permanent deal. And I think it, it, this is, if it does happen, this would be less of a babysitting role and, and more of a midwifery role where, uh, you know, you'd be, you have the union overseeing a kind of rebirth of the region and, and in more of a parental role, really. So I, I, I don't think it would be a temporary thing. If it happens, I think this would be a permanent arrangement. All right, then let's move back to matters on the pitch. Um, we're briefly going to talk about the playoffs because for the first time ever, we've got two Welsh teams in it. We're going to come to it in more detail a bit closer to the time because obviously they're a little bit of a way off at the moment. But um, we've got two teams going in, the Scarlets and the Ospreys, in very different frame, yeah. frames of mind. Um, you've got the Scarlets playing against Leinster. We're going in on the back of something like... 10 wins in their last 11 matches and then you've got the Ospreys going in who are sort of limped over the line in the end yeah. uh, with just one win in their last five but I, I make it so wait, how do you feel about the regions going into that sort of playoff because they've got Leinster Scarlett's got Leinster Ospreys yeah. got Munster I mean that's as tough as it gets anyway yeah moment. it's very hard and, you, and I've seen a lot of um, Irish supporters on the old social media saying it's a, it's a, it's, you know, it's a given there's going to be an all Irish final um, they said something similar about the uh, European competitions, mind? It is. It is it's, there's a couple of firsts here. Well, there's one first, which is the first time we've had two teams in the playoff semi-finals, but we'll need another first. you know what that is? First uh, away win. win. Yes, yes exactly. We haven't had anyone in. No, I haven't before. Listen, it's not going to be easy. And For the Ospreys, let's go to them first, because... Um, they're not in a great state. They've, they've got the, the playoffs, quarterfinals, uh, finals You have to um, applaud that on the basis of their whole season's efforts. But over the last month or so, if you take 
aside from that Ulster win, which was a very impressive performance, they've had two shalligans, haven't they? <laughs> Let's be honest. One off the Blues and one off the Scarlets. They'll hurt as well. Off your, off your rivals. Uh. You know, and they're not, they're not playing consistently very well. And you would be surprised, Matthew, wouldn't you, if they went to Munster and won? Well, there's a lot of, there's a lot of discontent among, among the fans. They're not very well. happy. They, I mean, they don't like what's been going on, the way the team's playing. There's obviously some selection issues that people haven't liked with this whole thing with Sam Davis at fullback and Dan Evans on the wing. Oh, no, you know, don't. Um, and, of course, we know the man that they've been missing more than anybody else is Mr. Wynne Jones, Alan Wynne Jones. Mm. Now, will he be back for the semi-final? He'd be asking a lot of him. You know, he's a talisman, but he's, he'd have to be Mr. Inspiration and a half to get them over this line. So it's going to be, let's put it this way, it'd be a very pleasant surprise if they came away from Tom and Park with a win. Mm. Now, the Scarlets, you know, I've been telling warning my Leinster supporting friends like not to take it for granted because they are a team on fire at the moment. If you look at that back division, you only have to, you know, look at it. You've got Gareth Davis. We've already mentioned Ali, Ali Davis. There's Jonathan Evans. There's you've got three scrum You've got Patchell's back playing now. In the centre, you can choose from Hadley Parks, uh, Jonathan Davis and Scott Williams. And in the back three, you've got Steph Evans, top try scorer in the Pro 12, Liam Williams and McNichol. You know, that's a potent back division. Yeah. And they've also got a front row, which is an all-international Wales now struggle Lions front row. Rob Evans, who's had a great season. Samson Lee and the Lion, Ken Owens. And then the second row, Taj Bird, I think he's had a great campaign. Jake Ball, you know. And in the back row, Barkley, Boyd, Davis. You put that team on the field, I'd put that team up against most tides in Europe. That's the team, remember, that beat too long and came within a whisker of beating Saracens. Mm. This is not a given for Leinster. If the Scarlets can get on the field, Aaron Shingler, excellent season as well. You know, someone's going to miss out in that back row. You know, this is the thing; they've got competition there if everyone's fit. I really, really think that they could give it a good bash. And I tell you what, on a good pitch, you know, decent weather. There's one thing for sure: they won't die. Tra- you know, they won't uh, go away and run die wondering. They'll give it a go. Oh yes. All right. Well, like I said, we're going to come back to that uh, the playoff situation when there's more coming back out to us next week um, as we get closer to the. Yeah, playoffs. we know fitness is key, isn't it? Yeah. Player fitness. Yeah. Uh, one final thing to touch on: then the Rugby World Cup draw was uh, held today in Japan. Um, Wales have been drawn in with uh, Australia, Georgia, Oceania one, and America's two. Those two teams yet to qualify. Uh, from those regions, uh, say so I know it's difficult to talk in any great depth about a tournament that's two years away. Um, but I mean, uh, you know, Wales can be pretty happy with that group. I think. Can't believe it's only Wednesday. Can you? We've had like the Wales squad on Monday. We've had takeover Tuesday, and now we've got this as well. You know, it's it's all happening. Um, yeah, I mean, this will be put to bed, you know, for a little while now because it's obviously two years away. But uh, I remember. Uh, Ahead of the 2015 World Cup, it was a very different feeling after the squad draw, wasn't it? You know, mm. when we ended up with England and Australia. If you look at that squad, that group that Wales have got, um, yes, we've not beaten Australia since 2008. But you know, I, I was watching the Super Rugby at the weekend. I think all the Australian teams lost. They're not in a great state. Their rugby over there. Um, so I think probably if you're looking at the the, the first seeds, I'd probably. I think we've done all right there. Yeah, we've played in New Zealand and England. Georgia, 
um, an up-and-coming team. Wales will play them in the autumn. We'll know a bit about them now. It'll be physically hard, but you would expect Wales to beat them. Oceania won. Um, I was looking at that today, and on current form, that seems to be likely to be Fiji. Mm-hmm. And then the Americas, too. Um, our recent run form, USA over the better of Canada, so you'd think they'd be one. So Canada or Uruguay, America's two, so probably Canada. Mm. So we say it again, Australia, Wales, Georgia, Fiji, Canada. Fiji, Canada. That's that's manageable, isn't it? It's yeah, I mean, it, it goes to show, isn't it, though, as we found out last time, the, the difference between finishing as a second and a third seed. I mean, you know, Port, we could have been Italy today and, and drawn against New Zealand and South Africa, for example. And it just goes to show well, how Argen- important it was to finish eighth. Argentina, have got England and France, you know. But of course, what's interesting is we all sent today, we're desperately trying to work out what that means moving forward. And it could mean that old England Wales quarterfinal. England, if they win their group and Wales come second, that's what we end up with. And then if we beat England, then uh, it's easy then because we'd probably get New Zealand in the semi finals. <laughs> so we're all the way to the final, aren't we? Yeah, you've got to beat the best. <laughs> Tokyo to calling. <laughs> um, just on, just one final word on this. Uh, four years ago, you were preparing right now to go out to follow Wales in Japan. What, what's it like out there? The, the sort of the rugby atmosphere, and the, I suppose it's changed a lot with their their wins at the World Cup against South Africa, for example. But what were your experiences of that on that tour, Matthew? It is the most alien country I have ever been to in my life. Right? <laughs> Everything is. It's not like being in another country. It's like being on another planet. Everything is just alien to you. The language, the culture, the food, the transport system, physically the number of people getting around. It is, of two days, I didn't know whether I was coming or going. (laughs) But all you have to do is stand there in the middle of uh, Shinjuku Station, look confused, and a dozen wonderful Japanese people will come up and help you, even if they can't speak any English. Right? It, the, the welcome and the friendliness. If I, I, One thing to say about this World Cup, if you've got any chance at all to save in a little bit of money over the next two years and go and have to do it, because it's an incredible country. And uh, the rugby is a great family occasion out there as well. There's not, a, there's not a huge awareness of rugby, but there are certain clubs there. And, you know, the, the, the games against Wales were a great atmosphere. And they have much more of a party atmosphere to it. Mm. And I, I tell you what, it's an ultra-efficient country. Um, they will get all the structures in place. It's a huge time for them because I think the Olympics coming up after that, isn't mm. they? you know. This will be a fantastic tournament and it'll be, you know, atmospheric. As I say, if you've got a chance, go to it because it's a great country. All right, then that seems like a good place to leave things today. Uh, we haven't touched on the Lions today, but we don't want to jump on that one too soon. Um, the, the Lions will meet up, in fact, next Monday. That's when that all kicks into gear and the first training day. I believe that's at the Vale, is it? In, in... Yeah, they've got a week in the Vale and then I believe they've got a week in Carlton House in Dublin. Uh, obviously, they're going to be limited in numbers initially. Um, but I suppose the ones they've got will find out what it's like to be a lion. Yeah, exactly. So, like we said, we'll we'll touch on the lions a bit more next week, and and obviously into the Guinness Pro 12 playoffs and things like that. Um, there's going to be plenty happening. All the news with Wales, all the news with the lions and the regions. Um, you can find it all as always on Wales Online. <laughs>